0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. It's a podcast where me, Lisa, the host, interviews journalists and the journalism adjacent about their work. The Friday Reporter Podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. And if you don't know about PR Daily, it is a tremendous uh, resource for communicators like myself and you and and the folks you work with. Uh, PR Daily actually just launched what's called the PR Daily Leadership Network. It's a peer-to-peer brainstorming and networking opportunity for mid-level communicators, Uh, access to uh, measurement of SEO, uh, business fluency, presentation training, lots of other opportunities there at prdaily.com. If you're interested in the PR Daily Leadership Network, be sure to mention that you heard about it on the Friday Reporter Podcast to receive $500 off of your membership. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Uh, Today's guest, selfishly, is someone that I find myself reading uh, quite a bit uh, because I feel like Kate Davis at Fast Company is in my head. She literally is delivering this great content for me at a time when we used to be in a place where work-life balance was something that we talked about with moms. Now it's something we're talking about with everyone. Kate, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me and saying such nice things about me.
0: Well, I mean, you know, we often find ourselves sort of content finds us in, in, in unusual ways. And I do know that for so long I've been, uh, my kids are teen, they're both in high school now, but work-life balance is something that has been a big part of something that I have fought for, for what feels like a long time. And now it's really sort of come to a place where there is a regular someone like you who's out there really contributing and sort of speaking to that voice Before I get there, though, talk to me a little bit about your background and how you got started in journalism.
1: Well, I I knew that you were going to ask this question. I thought I have a version of it that's medium sized, but it's going to sound like it's going to be a long version. And it starts when I was in first grade. Okay. (laughs) Um, I won a $50 savings bond for writing about children's rights, and I decided that I wanted to be a writer. And I didn't have not changed my mind since. Um, I channeled that into journalism starting in high school. I was a columnist for my high school paper, and then I was a journalism major in college, and I was a columnist for my um, college newspaper. Mm-hmm. I did uh, newspaper internships. I, I had an alternative uh, alt weekly in Detroit and copy edited for a, an evening newspaper in Michigan as well. I'm from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a short stint in London, I moved to New York because that's what you do as a journalist, right? Right. And um, worked in corporate communications for a short time, did not love it. Okay. Um, it's a totally
0: different world. It's like very, it there's yeah. there is no interest in your opinion. You're writing for someone else.
1: Yeah. And yeah. It, was, um, it was a corporate communications for an investment bank, um, which was very much not my interest area, but I do think gave me a little bit of that of business background which then ended up helping me later but my first magazine job was at popular photography um and i really credit john owens the uh, editor-in-chief at the time for taking a chance on me because i had no magazine experience and something um, that I've noticed in in my career now that I'm in a hiring position is a lot of times you get those first jobs from alumni networks and from like right. who you know and I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. and if he would not have taken a chance on me, like I don't know if I would have gotten my foot in the magazine business because yes. it's a tough you know business to get into for sure. Um, but so I was there. Got laid off in the Great Recession. Mm. Um, Freelance for quite some time. Do not enjoy freelancing. It's yeah. I really respect it, it's such a hustle. I was not built for that hustle. Right. Um. But through a couple of other jobs, ended up um, at Entrepreneur magazine for a while, and then um, I've been at Fast Company for nine years, which wow. is um kind of almost unheard of in in media. And you know. But you have, I mean, I love it there
0: looking at your background though. I mean, but you can't, you came to fast company and you've had a lot of different roles. I mean, talk to me a little bit about this. Forgive the dogs Mm -hmm. in the background. We have two Mm -hmm. rescue dogs. Sometimes they behave, sometimes they don't. Um, talk to me a little bit about, um, about the structure at fast company and how that works.
1: Yeah. So I started in the fall of 2013 as what was then called the leadership, uh, section. So Mm -hmm. at the time, um, we had a kind of a co we called them the co-sites they were um there was the fast company print magazine and then digital and then there were these kind of like satellite sites so there was like um coexist which is now our impact channel co-design which still exists as co-design mm-hmm. um and and various other ones and i was in charge of the the leadership channel which at that time was a lot of contributors a lot of kind of you see this model at um other uh, other sure. publications yeah um and i over the course of my time there, I started as a staff editor, um, then got promoted to senior editor, really kind of changed what that vertical was and changed it into what it is now, which is the work-life section. And I would always say it's for anybody who has a job. Yeah. Like it's for everybody. Like right. this kind of, you know, there's so much about work-life content that resonates with, or with everybody, you know, with it doesn't matter if you're, you know, whatever level of your career you are. And there's, you know, there's just a lot of, like, aspects that that um, it opens up to explore. You know, there's um, the future of work. We were writing about remote work years before the pandemic. Right, yeah. Um, you know, work-life balance, as you mentioned. Um, productivity was really big for us for a really long time, and we've seen a huge shift in that. Like, people were so hungry for productivity tips for years. I and now there's quite a big backlash to that. Like, it's it is more about, you know wellness and, and, and yourself and and fulfillment in your job and meaning at your job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and hiring and interviewing and resume tips and management advice. And like, there's so much under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I led that section for many years. And then I was promoted to deputy editor. Um, while I was leading that section, I started hosting the podcast, which used to be called Secrets of the Most Productive People. Yes. Um, and used to have a lot more focus on those sorts of like productivity tip sort of sure, things. Sure, sure, um, And I think it was in 20... 20- want to say 19 that we switched to being called the new way we work and really focusing on um, the future of work. And, 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 you know, the other thing that I didn't mention was, you know, starting probably in about 2014, we started focusing on um, gender and equity and um, race at work and, and really the DEI and I topics. And I'm so proud that we were one of the first publications to really start covering that in a real dedicated way. And that's a big part of, of the new way we work as well.
0: That's great. Um,
1: but so, yeah, now I oversee, um, I'm the deputy data oversees overseas part of the the website overall, but then also still really have my foot in the the work-life world.
0: Yeah. And so, but you have a new project now, right? So Ambition Diaries, and that is really, it seems to me at least from the, the, the little bit of research that I've done on the work that you've done on that project is that it is really diving into the, um, I racial divide and the discrimination and the other sort of the the hierarchy of of businesses and and the office itself but that's I've done it no justice so please help me explain to my audience what it is you're doing with that new project.
1: Yes, Ambition Diaries is thank you so much for for noticing it. Um mm-hmm. is a really important project to me. It's something that I've been thinking about for years and finally kind of found the vehicle for it and the catalyst for it. Um, so kind of the the loose news peg is the news that women's uh, progress in the workforce was set back by a generation mm-hmm. due to COVID and all of the 5.4 million jobs that were lost from women. And most of them have been recovered, but there's about a million um, women still not in the workforce right. from, 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 before. Uh, from COVID times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my thought with that was how have things, you know, and it, it, it started with kind of a personal thought of like how my uh, life and career turned out so differently than my mother's Mm -hmm. and, and how much of it is that is like my own ambition or how much of that is the circumstances of our lives and like what happened. And so this project, we sent, uh, seven reporters from across the country Um, interviewed 14 mothers and daughters. Mm. I'm very proud of how the the geographical representation, the um, economic representation, the ethnic representation, we tried to, I mean, you can't be comprehensive, but we tried to be as representative of America as we could. Sure. Um, And those reporters uh, recorded really intimate conversations between mothers and daughters on a range of topics that are really core to us. So we write about it all the time, right? And we say the statistics all the time, but we don't hear how these like play, these issues play out in individual lives. So, yeah. um, how, it, how it translates online is we have a beautiful landing page that has original photography for, of all of the, the mothers and daughters, small audio clips, um, as told to articles, it's really a multimedia um, experience. And then on the podcast, we're running a mini series where we've compiled, um, bits of these conversations around themes. So our first episode was on economic mobility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our second episode was on uh, workplace discrimination. Our third is on work-life balance and unpaid labor. And then our fourth is on the recalibration of ambition post-COVID. Like what what does ambition even mean uh, anymore? Yeah. Um, which kind of like brings it all home. Yeah, right. And for sure. You know, the, the one other plug I will give to it is we have hundreds of hours of transcripts that I combed through for months and months. This was a project we worked on for so long. Oh my gosh. I'm so close to the material, but when I listened to it, I still cried. Like, wow. it's just some of these conversations are just so powerful and eye opening. And I really hope that, you know, working mothers who listen to it feel seen, you yeah. know, and heard. Yeah. And I hope that, that other people, non-working mothers who listen to it, like have their, their eyes open to these issues that like have a personal you know, touch to them now that aren't just like the statistic of 5.4 million women. Like it actually right. means something.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I have so much respect for that too, because I think that so much of, you know, that work, even the work in my own little small podcast is it really does take a lot of time to, to cultivate and think about how that all comes together. I, I admire it so much. Um, Are you, do you have a team? Do you have people that you work with? Are you doing this work on your own? Like, how does that look? It's just Lisa. So, I mean, this is my, this is the whole production company. Um, So that's why I'm always curious, like, because it is, it's so impressive the work that you've done there. And even in the podcast, you know, previous talk to me a little bit about how that works obviously you're doing a lot of the work but you i would hope have some help
1: <laughs> no yes it is, uh, believe me i i give you a lot of credit because i do not understand the technical aspect of it and uh-huh. thankfully i don't have to yeah um yeah so we started podcasting at at fast company a little bit as like a side hustle yeah. um you know a couple of us kind of started it there was a you know, some people who had some knowledge on like how it worked and like we were kind of scrappily doing it for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and I might get the year wrong, but I believe it was around 2018, 2019 that we got kind of more serious about it. We brought in um, podcasting under the um, Mansueto Ventures, like entertainment, so video and podcasting are all you know, like shared with our sister publication Inc. Um, Josh Christensen, I cannot give him enough props. He is my, uh, he's the executive producer on my show and the head of uh, podcast for both Inc. And, and Fast Company, and he was really my partner on Ambition Diaries, helping comb through those transcripts with me, shape the the episodes. Um, Nick Torres is our our um, sound engineer who but the music and like does, just does these things that like, again, it makes, and Josh calls it like audio poems. Like it mm-hmm. makes this, you know, like raw transcript turn into something really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind that's of how dynamite. I did not do it. By myself. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I mean, and, and it is a magical science. I mean, you listen to podcasts that are some, ho- there's some really, really homegrown sort of right out of the garage kind of stuff. And then there's some super beautifully produced, I mean, it's just like everything else, right? I mean, there's reality TV versus really thoughtful scripted television, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, but I'm always curious when I talk to a fellow podcaster about how it is your team works and how you do what you do. So Ambition Diaries is for uh, it's a mini series. So four episodes
1: within the, w- yeah, it's a mini series within the new way we work. It's mm-hmm. four episodes um, every Monday in October. So um, two have come out and two more are coming out Yeah, and then we'll, and then we'll pick back up with our regular season
0: with the regular programming. Um, okay. So, Fast Company has really done something interesting that I'm seeing in more and more journalism. And that is that right at the top of your story, it'll let me know that it's a three minute read or, you know, how much time I'm dedicating to, to what I'm, I'm consuming. Uh, but the stories are thoughtful. They don't take three minutes to write. So talk to me a little bit about your journalism process. When you're writing something, when are you taking pitches? Do you hear, uh, like, how does that process work for you? Tell me a little bit about that so I can understand better.
1: So, um, you know, you probably find this with more journalists that you talk to the, the higher up you move on the masthead, unfortunately, the, the less you get to write. Right. Yeah. Don't, um, you know, I don't get to write as much anymore. Um, you know, I, I edit more and and manage more and do the podcast more, but, um, no, our writers really, you know, there's no easy answer to like where we get ideas from. Like some are certainly pitches. I think all of our writers encourage pitches, Mm -hmm. um, And the more you write about a beat, right, the more you start to get connected to the right people in the beat. For sure. But it's also just kind of meeting and looking for the right people. I will say that I have actually gotten, um, I've solicited op-eds, like really, really smart op-eds from a tweet. Like I have seen somebody saying something smart on Twitter and like, could you know, looked them up and like looked up more about what they've said and done and like, hmm we could turn this into an article and DM'd the person and said like, do you want, I'll work with you to expand this thought that you had into. That's cool.
0: Op-ed. That's um, cool. I like, and and it strikes me in the conversations I have, the one thing I hear the most is that journalists are, I mean, they, their email boxes are just full of pitches and it's really, even the good ones sometimes get lost because the volume is just unmanageable. Yes. Yes. And that's so interesting that you're taking that you're turning this process on its head and looking for maybe, oh, that's actually quite interesting. Maybe we could think about a way to turn that into some great content. By the way, if somebody's not pitching you, too, they probably don't have as much of a agenda, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mm-hmm. probably have some more original thought and maybe some personal connection to whatever it is they're tweeting about because it's only 140 characters. So yeah. that's super interesting too.
1: Yeah, there's and there's also, you know, for me, you know, I built up a lot of our um, expert contributors. So like um, uh, professors and and academics and experts and Mm -hmm. in different fields. And once you kind of have that Rolodex, then you when a topic comes up, it's like, oh, who would be good to talk about this? Like who can talk about this with authority? And then you kind of have your person to go to. So you could start with your idea and you like know which, and it's, it works the same with freelance writers or whatever. It's like, oh, this person is good on this topic. And sure. let's like talk to them and see what their their thoughts on this topic are and where the story is. Sure. Um,
0: and so much of what you do is digital and available online. Um, there is still a, a a paper, there's a magazine that still comes out <laughs> yep, for a fast yep. company too, right? Um, yes. How much of, how, what is that? How long in advance is the magazine? Cause I'm always curious because every magazine has a different sort of like, you know, everything has to be in by April in order to see an August edition or tell me a little bit about that process too. Like what makes it to the magazine? There's so much other great online content. Um, you're part of the edit- editorial team. Like how do you, how do you put that together? How does that happen?
1: Yes. I will say, you know, I've worked in, in print magazines a, a little bit, you know, before my time at, at Fast Company, but Sense, but by and large i've always i've been a digital journalist yeah. for for the majority of the time so i'm not mm-hmm. super involved in the print cycle at fast okay. company at fast company i will say um we have that divide between print and digital is blurring a bit more and and i get it our digital staff is working on the print magazine more and the print staff is working on uh. the digital um component more um digital is where most of our readers are come to us you know sure. like a lot of people enjoy the, the physical products still but yeah um, you know they'll, they'll come to we, we reach so many more people online. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the, the print process it does, it is kind of weird, um, for an, an outsider, like we are thinking of the summer issue in the winter, you yeah. know, we yeah. are, we are planning, like there's, there's, it's just so different. We can't be quite as timely and reactive. Um, th- there's, there's room for, for big features, but there's also like the space constraints that you don't have online. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, it's, and it's, interesting to me because it is so different because people will go to the magazine for the 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 pieces that they haven't seen online right they're looking for something new and fresh so a lot of times the the sharp content that's coming out online is not necessarily what you'll find in the print version i know for sure um okay so all this is super interesting to me i just i love it all so much what uh what's next so i mean you're an innovator right i mean it strikes me that you're coming up with new and fresh and cool ideas can you preview for us anything what's in the horizon
1: um, well, I can preview a little bit of what we are going to talk about on The New Way We Work after Ambition Diary okay. is done. I can yeah. give you a, a little preview of, of of what's coming up for the rest of the season. Sure. Um, we are going to talk about uh, a possible looming recession and what that means um, for your job. And if there's such a thing as a recession-proof job, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to talk about kind of how to think in long term and like a short-term uh, world, we are going to uh, talk about the science of miscommunication. Mm. Uh, years ago, I did a uh, March Madness style bracket with about business uh, jargon, which ah. was so fun to do. And so we're going to kind of tackle uh, business jargon and mis- miscommunication. Okay. um a bit in the in the future.
0: Oh, well, um, like I said, I, I reached out because you're doing all this cool content, I want to hear about all of it. Um, and I love that so much. So you're in New York. Uh, and you're doing your work in New York is that right well
1: I am not actually oh okay um I I personally relocated uh during the pandemic and I live in uh, Michigan again so, okay um, awesome but yeah our our offices are uh are in New York and a majority of our staff is is still in New York and
0: okay so I was going to ask that because I as much as I knew you were at one point in New York so well congratulations yeah. on the move. Um, How much of your work is in person and how much of your work is online? I mean, everybody's life has sort of shifted. Like, what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, obviously you're remote for the most part, but what about your team? Like, tell me a little bit about what that looks like.
1: Yeah. So we, um, you know, like most other um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) computer-based jobs, went went remote in March 2020. And we, as an office, have just started, I think – few weeks ago just started going back on in a hybrid schedule so mm-hmm. uh new york-based staff is there two days a week mm-hmm. um but we actually do have you know other people like myself relocated during the pandemic we always have had west coast um staff we have you know bay area staff sure. so i mean this is a total estimate but you know probably 30 percent, 20 percent of the edit staff is fully remote um so yeah our work is done like this on Zoom, of course. quite a bit, you know. Yeah. We, we same, same in Washington. Story pitch and brainstorm meetings, you know, on on Zoom. We've experimented with some like different ways to in breakout rooms to have you know have Zoom meeting or to have brainstorms. Um, we do. Uh, we have returned to in person events because of uh, live journalism is a big part of our, of course. Our, of our way we interact with our readers. It's the, like the, the main way that we get to interact with our readers and a great place for story ideas. And we were doing it virtually for two years and, you know, it was okay. It worked out. It was better than expected. (laughs) Everybody made it um, happen. Right. Exactly. Right. But we, uh, we have a impact council event that happened in June and I got to travel to New York for that. And then we had our innovation festival, which is our biggest Um, our biggest event happened in September and I was able to travel for that. So I'm, I feel very lucky and privileged that I get to work remotely and still get those, you know, of course, twice a year kind of interactions. But yeah.
0: How much do you think, because you work for a company that is also an office, that it is also employing people, how much do you think your conversations that you're having with your audience are also sort of helping to inform the internal workings of Fast Company?
1: Is that inspiring some conversations? Right. We're in such a unique position because, you know, well, every other company was scrambling to figure this out, you know, and we were, you know, we Everybody had to was. adjust to in all of these various ways, but we had all of this, like, you know, there's a great fast company article about that. You could read, you know, like we, <laughs> we have, you know, the, the knowledge already. And so, Absolutely. you know, hopefully it kind of gave us a little bit of a leg up.
0: I love that. No, that's so great. Okay. So Kate, when you're not doing the journalism thing and you're not doing the parenting thing what kinds of things in Michigan are keeping you busy where in Michigan like tell me a little bit about what's what happens on the weekends that keeps you away from work
1: well I live in beautiful Ann Arbor Michigan I always say beautiful because it it is really beautiful here and there's there's so much um, outside to do there's you know like it has, has kind of the best of everything, right? It has, like, culture. It has nature. It has, like, everything. Um, but I believe you wanted, you probably wanted to know about what I was reading, right? You yeah, were,
0: or, I, like, you know, the I kinds know. of things that inspire you because you're coming up with these cool stories. I mean, I swear you're in my brain, but, like, tell me what's, <laughs> what are you reading so I can be, you know, paying attention to that, too. Yeah.
1: Well, I will tell you one thing that I read recently. You know, there's, um, I forget which publication I should know this comes out with the um the jealousy list each year. You know, oh. the like I wish we would have done that yes, list. Yes, yes. And this would be on mine, journalism wise, for this year. So, um, just a couple of weeks ago, Glamour published a multimedia. So I'm, I'm obviously very interested in multimedia approaches to storytelling. Sure. Um, Glamour published this multimedia experience called 28 days in the lives of eight women postpartum. Mm. And it was so engrossing. It had video clips and audio clips and photography and like, um, you know, written kind of diary sort of entries. And it was a a great and honest look at how difficult the difficult time it is right after you have a baby, but also, contrasting the experiences across an economic spectrum you'll hear you know you hear kind of echoes of ambition diaries in this right um and the way that it how how that experience varied so much for women who had a support system who had paid leave and those who didn't Mm -hmm. um and again like it's you know we we publish so many stories there's so many stories out there that have all these statistics in new york america is the only country without universal paid leave and our childcare crisis and like we hear about it all the time, but really seeing it, I think, you know, resonates with me a lot. Absolutely.
0: And it's, I think it's even more so now because of the pandemic and parents that are trying to work from home and balance childcare and everything else. I mean, I think that it's more and more challenging. Um, Kate, my last question of the podcast is always, and so you've been prepped in advance. Tell me, who is it um, that you would recommend for a future episode?
1: Yeah, I, that's that's such a, a big question. And, you know, I don't want to like call like there's one person that's the, that's the Never. best journalist out there. No, I say that there's so many journalists doing so many, you know, talk about jealousy list of like some so much great work. Um, but the first one that came to mind when you prepped me with that question was Anna. And I hope I pronounced her last name correctly. Kem, Kem- Kemritz? She's an education reporter for NPR. Um, she's recently come out with a book called The Stolen Year, Children and COVID, about the impact of school shutdowns and oh, the uh, humongous uh disruption in education on kids and what it means like kind of for the future. Mm-hmm. I spoke to her several years ago and I wrote an article about um uh like the fa- the people who who work in technology companies like Facebook had said that they didn't want their own children to use their products that they worked on. Right. And so I wrote an article kind of about kids and technology, and she had written a book about kids and screen time. And so I had talked to her about that. And we, we connected, you know, for that story many years ago, and I've just followed her work since then. And she has such smart and interesting things to say about education, which I feel like is a really big and important topic, especially right now. Absolutely.
0: I mean, with two teenagers, I will tell you, the the oldest did his freshman year from home. And the younger one did her whole, almost all of middle school, which, by the way, are not years that I really miss very much as an adult. So oh, I feel like maybe middle the worst. she got I a would... she got a good gig out of it. But the big one missed his freshman year. And so I will I'll reach out to Anna and I'm going to read her book, too, because I can't wait to hear what she has to say about it, because I feel like that's something that we can all really learn from for sure. Yeah right sure. all right Kate it was my tremendous pleasure to have you today I'm so so glad we got a chance to connect and I hope we can continue to connect in the future
1: yeah thank you so much for having me and that's today's Friday Reporter podcast
0: a podcast in partnership with PR Daily a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon thanks so much